everybody. This is Nick Ruffin, host of Vantage Point Podcast. Welcome back to another week. Um, it's Friday. Hopefully you've had a great week. You made it to the weekend. Um, I want to just definitely thank you all for listening. And um, just to cover a few things before we jump into this week's message. Um, last week we mentioned, or I mentioned, excuse me, about um, hosting a worship night via Zoom. More details coming on that. We're going to get to that definitely um, by most likely by the end of this month. Um, also, want to make sure that whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or through YouTube, that you make sure that you uh, like, review, share, um, leave us a rating, anything at all, um, just so I know, we know just how are you being impacted, how are you liking what we're um, talking about on Vantage Point, and just letting us know that we're um, reaching and teaching the right way. And so any feedback at all is, is definitely welcome. And so last week we kicked off a new series. It was uh, America Divided. We talked about the center division. And so this week, we're going to talk about the root of division. And I want to kick this off um, really highlighting two different um, moments, very significant moments that, that we experienced and, um, you know, had the unfortunate um, to have to deal with them. And then, and, and, you know, really just wanting to talk about um, the death of George Floyd and then in, locally here in Tulsa, uh, we had a police officer that was uh, killed in the line of duty. And so both, um, really just um, hit me in a different way. And really, you know, as I started to study this um, for this series and really dig into some things, um, that those two um, lives really just stood out to me. And, and on one side, obviously, we have George Floyd, who was murdered by a police officer. But then on the other side of this, we have Sergeant Johnson here in Tulsa, who uh, was was killed in the line of duty. He was murdered as well. And and really, the, the thing that I kept thinking about as I kind of prepared for this message was they both have young children, right? And how do, you know, how will their children internalize this as they get older? How will they view the world based on this? And even for us um, as adults and as we go through these types of things, how do we internalize them? Um, how do we take each of these instances and, and filter them? How do we move forward past this? What are we looking for? What are we desiring for out of this? You know, how do we take it and, and build on it and do those things? And that's really the premise of this episode and the focus of this week. And so really talking about what we see here and experience and how it goes to those filters and the filters that we have um, ultimately determines our actions based on these things. And so that really leads me to my first point right off the bat is division is determined by our ability to filter the world. And for some reason, this quote really stood out to me and I'm, and I'm sure you'll see the kind of correlation between it, but the quote says every individual listening um, is as unique as his or her fingerprints because we all listen through filters that develop our personal mix of culture, language, beliefs, attitudes, expectations, and intentions. That is why another person's musical taste is another person's hideous noise. And when we think about all this going on in our world, you know, we can't help but to see or hear it, right? We can, we can turn off the TV, we can turn off um, or not talk, go on social media or not talk to people. But the bottom line is we are going to see what's going on in the world one way or another, right? And, but how we choose to internalize it ultimately helps us choose to how to respond to it, right? And so talking about filters, right? What is a filter? 
And so just a simple definition, a filter is a device that helps remove unwanted materials. We got oil filters in cars, water filters in what we drink, um, even our bodies um, naturally and, and as we are made um, have filters that help us remove unwanted materials. For instance, our, our lungs, right? We breathe in um, our lungs, um, when we breathe in, excuse me, we filter oxygen from the air uh, through tiny blood, blood to th through tiny vessels in our blood. That blood is carried to our heart to be pumped through our bodies. Our lungs also filter carbon dioxide. So when we take that breathe, breath in and then we breathe out, um, we are exp our, our lungs are filtering carbon dioxide from our body, removing that the, the unwanted material. Um, our liver and kidneys both act as organs, uh, both organs act as filters for our blood. They liver, uh, the liver primarily filters drugs, medication, other chemicals. Our, our kidneys also filter drugs as waste that ultimately leaves our bodies. And it's, it's so wild that God will create our body so wonderfully made to remove waste and protect us from the things that, that may harm us, right? But how do we defend ourselves against what we see? Right, whether that's talking about black men murdered by police, we're talking about police being murdered, we're talking about children and women exploited through trafficking. You know, how do we maintain our world or maintain ourselves in a world where these things exist? Right. And one of the things that brings me to is being aware of your filter is the first step, right? And last week we talked a lot about Paul. Um, and, and really focused on his life. And I want to stay with that because I really feel that um, there, there's something in his life, something in his walk, something in his journey that really just fits this series about division and where we'll ultimately end up at the end of the series. And I want to start when that first moment we were introduced to Paul, and actually he was Saul, right? And that was in Acts 7, uh, verse 54 and 58. And his filter was very different. Um, you know, simply put, Paul or Saul saw followers of Christ as bad and ultimately against what he believed. Um, the scripture actually takes place. This moment we are introduced to him, he is actually witnessing the stoning of Stephen, um, one of the apostles, um, or one of the people that Jesus, that was one of his disciples, who was actually preaching to people. And these people in, ended up turning on him and stoning him. Um, but the scripture says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven and I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. At this moment, they covered their ears and, ye and were yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed him dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And our, our first um, moment here, and, and I was talking with someone a while back about the scripture, and I just really see like Saul, like, you know, like you see in the movies, you have these mafia bosses who are like just, they're, they're not really doing the dirty work, but they're definitely just standing there watching it being done. And I really feel like that was Saul in this moment. He's literally standing there watching Stephen get stoned with no compassion, no remorse, no empathy. Um, and you really think about that's a lot of what we see in the world today. People, you know, without compassion, no remorse for what they do, whether it's being racist or xenophobic or anything, right? They have no empathy, no remorse, no feeling at all toward it. 
um, just accepting what it is and accept, accepting the condemnation that they see people um, dishing out to other people because they're different. But it's so funny that we really get that confirmation of who Paul is literally on the next page in Acts 8 verses 1 through 3, which says on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered uh, throughout the throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And, you know, I, I you know, on one hand, I can read this and say, you know what, you know, Saul had no filter. And, you know, he, he, he just did what he wanted to do. But the truth of the matter is, and a lot of like us, Saul did have a filter and it was one that dealt in absolute. It dealt with absolution, not absolution, excuse me, dealt in absolute. Um, all Christians are bad. They all deserve death or jail, right? And that sounds somewhat very familiar to what we hear now in 2020. You know, all, you know, black men must be criminals or the police all must be bad or all immigrants are these things, right? And it's so funny, like, like, this is the world. This is, this is America, really. This is what we see, what we experience every day, that people that, based on one moment, they have a full absolute, absolute thought of that particular person, right? Or they must be this because they do this, right? And I'll just throw it out here that, you know, a lot of these statements and a lot of these absolute kind of filters and mindsets don't just come from white America. There, there are many things and many things might be major, might be minor that we all um, experience when it comes to these at kind of at that absolute filter. And, you know, I'm going to share a personal story of mine and um, well, I'd say probably about 10 now, probably about 10 or 11 years ago um, before I met my wife, um, I was attending a church that was predominantly black and the pastor was black. And once my wife and I got together, started dating, we were getting married, figured all that out. Now, here's the moment where we have to decide like, oh, what church are we going to go to? Because she was going to a separate church for me. I was going to a different church as well. And the, you know, I ultimately visited her church. She visited mine. We kind of both, you know, got a feel for that. Um, she was not feeling my church at all. Um, and, and definitely rightfully so for various, for definite reasons. Um, but there was something about her church that I didn't feel that I was not, uh, comfortable with at all. And a lot of it stemmed from my own belief, my own filter, so to speak. And honest, you know, in, in full transparency, the pastor of the church was white. Um, I had never had or never been to a church um, where the pastor was was white. I'd only been to churches that had black pastors. And so there was something in me that firmly believed, like in an absolute belief mindset filter that a white man could not preach the gospel to me as a black man. And when I tell you the level of, of frustration that caused and, you know, I, I was, it was a very hard 
thing for me to get over. It, it really was. And there was nothing against him. He was a nice person. I met him uh, one of the first times I, I went to the church. And again, there was nothing inherently wrong with him. It was everything in my own belief and filter structure that told me that he could not tell me about the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the color of his skin. And when I tell you the the freedom that I got once I overcame that, and I really began to turn off my thought process of, of that filter, right? I, I started to look at him differently, look and actually hear him and not be stuck at his skin color, right? And I'm a firm believer, and I can sit here and honestly say that you would probably not be listening to my voice. There would probably be no Vantage Point podcast had it not been for Pastor Jerry McQuay at Christian Life Center in Tinley Park, Illinois, and him not seeing something in me that I didn't even see in myself at that point. And he identified something, uh, the call on my life, the ability to connect with people and do different things to see that and give and was able to give me opportunities to serve, whether it was in youth ministry or even do an impartation during offering during an actual service. And so there's there's an ultimate level of gratitude in that. But again, it 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 only can happen if I'm open to understanding not just you know the the situation, but understanding why do I feel that way. We talked about that last week about having an understanding, and that really leads me to point three because I really firmly believe that you know, we, we can lose out if we don't change our filter. We will miss out on relationships. We'll miss out on calling. We'll miss out on purpose. We'll miss out on blessings um, if we don't change those filters. And it's so um, interesting, again, with Paul, that even when we go into Acts 9, um, we see, again, him. We, we, we've all heard the story of Paul's transformation and his conversion and his meeting with Jesus on the road to Damascus and all of those things. But really, you know, I want to jump into those scriptures a little bit more um, in detail because I really feel like there's there's more to chew on there than just, oh, he became Paul from Saul. He used to kill Christians and now he doesn't like there's so much there's so much more there. And so so we're going to read a little bit here. Acts nine, verse one through nine. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He neared, the Dama he neared Damascus on his journey. Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could, not, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Um, the, again, so much there when we think about um, who Saul was and ultimately who he is to become. You know, one of the things that really stands out to me is the fact that Jesus made Paul blind. 
there Jesus could have used any other method to get Paul's attention, right? We would think just enough, it was enough to him even calling out to him and, and asking him, why do you persecute me? Like that would have been enough. But there's something that that really is in those three days and really is in that blindness that I really feel that, you know, we can benefit from when we think about division, when we think about getting to the root of our division um, and ultimately how we see things and how we filter them. And so the first thing really with Paul is he needed to experience the power of Jesus, right? And I think a lot of the times people who have this hardcore belief focus, whether it's racism, firm belief about LGBTQ, whatever it is, that they have this hardcore belief that I'm right, I'm, I'm using my self-righteousness because I'm correct in what I believe, and, and I'm the end-all, be-all. I'm the one who says um, what's right and what's wrong. And I, I remember this quote that I posted on Instagram a while back, and it basically said that you people will make God into the image of what they want God to be. And ultimately God, you know, God, they believe God hates who they believe. And at that point you've made God into your own image. Um, And so when we think about Jesus blinding Paul and him needing to experience the power of Jesus, Paul being blind allowed him to have that understanding that he's not the powerful law and order yielding person he thought he was. Acts 9 and Acts 9 15 says uh, Jesus calls Paul my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And for Paul, in order for Paul to be at the level to preach the power of Jesus, he needed to experience the power of Jesus. And and that power literally blinded him and brought him down to a level um, of humility and surrendering, really. And that's another thing. Paul needed to have a full surrender. His blindness helped him understand that the Christian walk isn't solo. It's, it's not a solo experience. Paul has spent his whole life as Saul flying solo. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm believing this. I'm going to go kill these Christians, put them in jail. This is my belief. This is what I'm doing. And Paul was literally humbled in the moment on the Damascus road, being blinded. He's lost his sight. He's lost his ability to see what's around him. And he needed help. Um, I'm sure Paul was humbled. He definitely was humbled. I'm sure he was confused, probably even scared because he didn't know he would be blind for three days. He just knew he was blind at that moment and could not see anything around him, right? The third piece of this is Paul needed renewed sight. And I think that's where we really get down to the root uh, of division and the root of what we experience and what we see now in this world in 2020, right? We need to have a a renewed sight. Acts 19.8 says, instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Literally through his conversion, Saul experienced two things. He got renewed sight and he had retired sight. So let's talk about both of those real quick. Paul was able to lose his old view on the world, his old view, his old filter, the way that he saw the world around him. Christians are all bad. I have to put them in jail. I have to do these things. He literally, God literally in the moment retired that way of thinking, right? Just at salvation, we go through transformation where we put away the old of who we used to be and we retire that person. And now we get some renewed vision, some renewed focus. And Paul literally gained the ability to see God in a new light which led to him seeing the world around him differently. 
And that really leads me to my fourth and last point is that when we open the eyes of our heart, that's looking through a filter of Jesus. And that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean a filter of Jesus doesn't mean that we, that it doesn't stop at anger or sadness. It doesn't stop at justice or condemnation. I feel like a lot of the, the things we see right now is people just want to be angry or they just want to be sad or they just want justice or they just want people to be condemned. But that can't possibly be the end game to what we want, whether that's change, unity, equality, all of those things. And it really, think about it, a filter of Jesus includes love, unity, compassion, grace, understanding, and hope. I mean, if you read anything about with Paul, anything that he wrote, of course, he he calls out wrongdoing. He calls out wrong thinking. He calls out division. But Paul also calls for togetherness and growth among people. And this moment to me really shows us what can happen when we change the filter of what we see um, in the world around us. And, you know, when I'm, when I was writing this last point, it brought up the song open, open, um, opening the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to see you. And there's something very significant about shifting our focus as believers and as people really not just looking through our natural eyes of what we see, but looking through spiritual eyes of what we see. And this really goes back to that understanding um, the why, understanding people, understanding their walk, understanding their belief, understanding um, what they go through inherently. Everybody has a story. Um, And to gain understanding of the story doesn't mean you agree or disagree with the story. It just gives you context. Um, into their life, into their walk, into their belief, right? And I, I really want to leave you with another piece um, of scripture, and it comes from Paul again, but in uh, the book of Ephesians, um, it's another letter that Paul wrote, um, and it really leads me to to a prayer and how we'll close out this, um, how we'll close out week two. But it's funny that in this, um, in, in early transcripts of this particular scripture that as, as I was preparing, um, even though it's in the book of Ephesians and even in the book of Ephesians, it calls out being to the, to this Ephesus or to, um, you know, uh, those people earlier transcripts didn't say the writing was to the people of Ephesus. They believe it was actually wrote, Paul wrote this to people he had actually never met. And so it's it's so fitting to me that I'm I'm teaching on this to people that I may know and may not know, but I really love the way the scripture um, words it, and I'm just going to go into it. Um, but it says uh, it's Ephesians one fifteen chapter uh, chapter one verse fifteen through twenty three, and it says for this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order to in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory inheritance in his holy people and in his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same 
as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed the things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And I just want to close in this prayer. And I pray that that the eyes of our hearts are open today. Um, I, I know it can be difficult to see that um, with everything we have going on right now, whether it's racism, police brutality, abuse, um, hatred, division. But we know that as we follow you, God, that you give us spiritual eyes to supersede our natural eyes. Just as Paul said, I pray the eyes, I pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened so we know who we are and how you see things. Because in the end, that's what matters most. It doesn't matter what we see. Ultimately, it matters how God sees it. And so as we continue to walk and continue to drive unity and equality and all of those things, I just pray that we continue to to be aware of our filters, be aware of, of how we're presenting ourselves, how we're talking, how are we understanding people, how are we building unity and making sure we're not in a mindset of absolute thinking, but in a mindset of godly thinking and godly filtering what we see and how we experience it. Man, thank you all again for being a part of Vantage Point. Um, we're gonna come back next week for week three of this awesome series. And again, make sure you leave comments, um, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Instagram, anything at all, you can follow us on at this is Vantage Point at Instagram. And I just thank you again uh, for being a part with us and rolling with us one more week. God bless you all. Have a great weekend. See you next Friday.